pray. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for the way that it opens our hearts and our minds to the truth of the world around us, but also the truth of uh, who we are as your people. Lord, I pray that you might speak to us all this morning, wherever we're at. Lord, whether we're feeling uh, a distinct lack of peace as we get closer and closer to Christmas and we're winding up all sorts of things, Lord. Um, yeah, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that you might have a word that speaks to us. Lord, you might help me speak truthfully and clearly of your word this morning. We just pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So our series on promises, today we are focusing on the theme of peace. <clears throat> it's an interesting uh, topic for a lot of reasons. You know, I think uh, the Christian faith, the church, when it comes to peace, we've got, let's say, um, a complicated history, don't we? You know, um, we recognise Christ as Prince of Peace, as peace, as one of these very highly held virtues. Um, there's these great passages, Cliff read a couple in, in his prayer, as well as the passages about um, beating swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks, this idea of the world not needing the weapons of war anymore. You have those great teachings, but then you uh, also have um, some other teachings which uh, seem to rub a little bit against it. There's, you know, there's this one when Jesus says, I've come, uh, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword to turn man against father and daughter against mother. You know, there's tricky parts like that. We, we have this problem, of course, when over the centuries, many, many different wars have been fought in the name of uh, Christianity or in the name um, of God. The Crusades are a great example of that. But even in the 21st century, you know, um, George W. Bush, he stated that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were missions from God. So when it comes to peace and the church, peace and those who believe, sometimes I think there's a, a, a complication that we need to at least name and address. You know, peace is the thing that is valued most by those who don't have it. If uh, you're in Ukraine at the moment, you would want peace more than anything Else, um, I was reminded of the uh, the opening to the the movie uh, Gladiator. If you remember, um, the Russell Crowe character is this um, famous general, and he's leading uh, the the Roman armies to victory all over Europe and all these different places. And he's kind of heralded as this, you know, like demigod kind of figure. But all he actually wants is just to go home and just to look after his vineyard and to be with his family. You know, all of the great honour and praise that these battles are winning him. All he actually seeks is peace. And Paul paints this really interesting imagery in Romans, particularly those first few chapters of Romans, where he sets up this, this conflict that exists between uh, humanity and God. He uses the words of war and conflict and battle to describe the situation between humanity and God. <clears throat> the first three chapters particularly, he builds this long, long argument that stretches over a number of chapters. Uh, it kind of culminates in chapter three when he says, no one is righteous, no one seeks God, all have turned away. No one does good, not even one. He goes on in more and more detail. And as he goes on in more detail, the picture for humanity just looks more and more bleak. 
There's no hope for us to be made right with God off our own bat. We keep messing it up. And in response or as a result of that, we've made ourselves enemies of God. What hope is there for humanity if we have pit ourselves against God? But then we get to chapter 5. And Paul says, verse 1, Therefore, after talking about all of that imagery that he's built up about this conflict, this problem that we have, pitting ourselves against God, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope because there can be a peace between God and humanity. And this peace comes through Christ. Christ is the source of this peace. Apart from him, there is no chance, there is no hope for there to be right, restored relationships between us and God. He goes on in verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith to his grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul, he draws this connection between the idea of grace and peace. If you look through his writings, he will often use those words together, uh, sometimes interchangeably. One of his common greetings is grace and peace to you, right? It's these two things that he connects together. Wherever there is grace, peace is not far away. Um, Grace is that undeserved gift of God. Um, It is God pursuing us, even though we have rejected him. And then once he finds us and brings us back, puts up with us. When we continue to go our own ways, when we return to those hostilities of old, he continues to create peace in our relationship through grace that has been given to us. And this realisation that God has created this peace gives us the ability to find peace and to be peaceful in our lives, even in the most challenging of situations. Have a look. He goes on in verse 3. Not only so, but we also have glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Spirit who has been given to us. Now, through this grace and peace that has been given to us, the greatest trials that we can face can be transformed to good. The greatest challenges that we face, hurdles that we need to overcome, can be turned into opportunities for growth and strength and a reminder of the grace and the peace that God has given us. That passage, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because Paul writes those sorts of words in a number of different letters. This is a theme that he returns to a number of times, that in the grace of God, even through through persecution and hardships, trials of every kind, God can transform those into something good. Uh, I heard this story the other day um, about a town about 100 years ago now that was in the States and it made its living by growing cotton, right? A good crop, um, a reasonably profitable crop, and the whole area was all cotton farmers. Uh, And all was going well until one day a plague of bow weevil uh, hit their town. And all their crops are being decimated by this weevil. They have this big meeting 
they gather together and they say, what are we going to do about this situation or about this, this, this bow weevil plague? So they, they figure out they need to diversify. They need to grow different crops. So they start to grow different sorts of crops. They do a lot of peanuts. They do all sorts of different things. And it turns out that all of these different things they started to grow actually did a lot better. They grew better. They sold better. And it actually brought this new prosperity to the town. It was actually so good that they raised a statue to the bow weevil. They made a little bow weevil statue up high in the town centre. And then I think years later they needed to put up a plaque so people could ex like to explain what this thing was. Like, here's a plaque. This is explains what this crazy-looking statue thing is. But they made this, this monument to their hardship, the thing that brought suffering to their town, because it actually transformed them into prosperity. Uh, and sometimes in life, that's what we get. We get these bow weevil experiences, these experiences where things are hard and we will need to change or we will need to give up old ways. We will need to watch the end of something that we love. But in those times, through the power of Christ, we have the ability to transform them into growth into um, being reminded of the peace and love that we get through Christ. Paul talks about this a lot in his writings, probably because it's a reflection of his own walk, is that in all of these times when he hits hardship and trials, uh, he sees the work of the Spirit in him turning them for good. Let me have a look. This is, this is a good bit. Have a, oh, not that one, this one. This is the one that's just a good bit. Um, this is six down to eight <clears throat> and it reads, uh, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Wow. Probably my favourite passage in the Bible. It, it really speaks to me. It says so much. In here you see the great secret to this peace that Paul is talking about, that the peace has been won between humanity and Christ and it has been won through the self-sacrifice of Christ. It, it was these two sides were pit against each other, humanity and God, but it wasn't one by one side defeating the other, as most conflicts do. That's how they end usually. One side destroys the other. Well, actually, in fact, the opposite happened in this situation and one side sacrificed itself for the sake of the other. Dying not for those that loved him, but dying for those that hated him, that rejected him. Wow. That is why peace has been brought to us in a way that the world hasn't seen anywhere else. And only through understanding this external peace that we now have between us and God can we um, understand the possibility of internal peace, that, that peace within which we all seek and we talk about often in the good news. Because only in Christ can this peace 
be found, a peace that transcends the worries of the day, uh, a peace that finds its hope in eternity. Uh, I love the way James puts it. Here's that passage. Um, He puts it like this uh, in chapter 5. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on some business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist, you're here for a while and then vanish. How foolish, he says, are you to worry about what is to come? How foolish are you to be concerned about your plans for the future and your job and your provision and all of these sorts of things? They pale into comparison to the grace and the peace that has been given to us. They pale in comparison to the reality that we were once enemies of God, but now we have been uh, included in his victory. We have been uh, inherited into his family. If we share in the glory of Christ, surely it doesn't matter so much, you know, like what your grades are at uni or whatever. Surely it doesn't matter so much, um, you know, if you get that promotion or if you're not or what your car's like or your achievements or or your degrees or whatever. As James says, it's, it's a mist. It's here for a while and then it's gone. These things that we spend so much time on, but oh, the cross. But oh, what has been won for us. Oh, the peace and the grace of God given to all who believe freely. Wow. Now that is something to revel in. And in this, in this recognition of where we stand before God now, in this, um, we can find a a peace that the world cannot understand. Philippians, Paul writes again, uh, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now that is a beautiful verse, but the question is, how do you do it? How do you get it? What is this peace look like? We know this. We know it certainly doesn't mean that all of the the troubles of life disappear when you become a Christian. Hey, that'd be nice. That'd make it a much easier sales pitch to non-believers. Hey, you sign up for this, all your problems disappear. Like, it's great. You should give it a go. No, and that's not the case at all. But, you know, what what I think it, it is talking about, this peace that transcends understanding is God giving us the calm confidence to face all of life's challenges and know that there'll be nothing that is too big for him in us. Uh, Let me give you an example. Forgive me if you've heard it before. When I was um, in year 12, this is probably the most clearest experience for me of experiencing this peace, this sense of peace. Um, I was uh, a year 12 kid getting ready for HSC. Wasn't going great. I wasn't particularly hopeful about what it was going to turn out like in the year to follow. And uh, one day I was on a long bus ride home. My bus rides home were always long and I was alone with my thoughts. Um, Not such a great place to be when you're kind of considering your impending doom that's going to come. In the, in the months to come. And I just started to get real, have, I look back on it now and I was having a little mild panic attack. Like I was just having this moment of anxiety and anxiousness on the bus just by myself thinking about what was to come. And, you know, all of that stuff that goes with it, you know, feeling really tense, contracting your muscles, shortness of breath, all that kind of stuff. I was really, 
really starting to just kind of have a, mi a mini meltdown on the bus as I was thinking about how, how am I possibly going to handle this, this next year. As that was happening, a verse came to me. It's out of the blue. You know, I was, I was a church kid, but I was certainly not a very studious church kid at that stage. And the verse was, don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds of the air. They have enough food every day. How much more important are you than they? And I don't know where it came from. I do know. But at the time, I didn't know where it came from. But I look back on it, I was like, oh, that's the piece. That was the piece that God was talking about, that there was a, 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 a challenge I was facing and I was not coping with it well. And God speaks to me in his word. And I, and I relaxed and I went, yeah, it'll be okay. And it was. I didn't do well. It was okay, though. That's the point, isn't it? Is, is, it, was, it was okay. Look, they just It's a mist on the wind here for a moment and gone another. Sometimes in life, those things will come, hey. Those times will come and the challenges in front of you just saying, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. In those times, that's when standing in the grace of God can bring peace, recognising there is something bigger and something greater. There's this cultural movement that I see online a bit about the grind, right? Transforming your mindset into a grind set. I don't know if anyone's heard this. Oh, this is terrible stuff. But it's this idea, it's like you've got to be working. You've got to be working. Whatever you, want, whatever you want to do in life, whatever it is, your thing is, your career, whatever, you just got to be working. You've got to be working 12 hours a day. You're working seven days a week. And when you're not at work, you should be thinking about work because if you're not thinking about work, that other guy, he's thinking about work and he's going to do better than you and he's going to bleak you and blah, 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 blah. Oh, Jesus, terrible. It comes up on, you know, like TikToks and all that kind of stuff. And this idea of the grind set. Oh man, it, to me, it doesn't sound like a very healthy way to live your life. I don't know about you guys, but it just doesn't sound very helpful. But it's kind of based on this internal dialogue that you have, that you just have to kind of constantly say to yourself, don't stop, keep going, keep working. If you stop, they will beat you. If you don't keep going, they're going to be better than you. They're going to succeed. They'll think you're a failure. They'll think you're a loser, blah, 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 blah. This internal dialogue of just kind of deriding yourself constantly to, to, to keep flogging the dead horse. I was thinking about that this week and I was like, that's the sort of stuff that God frees you from. That's the stuff that the peace frees you from. The world says, oh, you better, you better work. You better never stop. You sleep when you're dead, you know. But God actually says you can replace those fears and insecurities with peace because um, you're not defined by the things of the world. You are who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not defined by success in whatever way you want to measure it. No, no, no. That's a mist. It's here one moment and gone the next. You are who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can uh, put that in your heart, then that will be a peace that will set you free from all sorts of fear and worries that the world will bring. Let me finish, uh, Ben, if you want to come up. Let me finish with the words um, of Christ. He himself says, uh, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. 
but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen.